everyone to a brand new premiere episode of the talking the last of us um i am your host jen i am joined tonight by josh kinte and tori uh, i'm going to introduce them a little bit further in let me give you a quick introduction to what we're going to do and um say i am so excited about this i've been waiting so long to do this and i really hope that this is going to be not just fun for us but fun for you the viewer okay so let's give a quick introduction to what we're going to do here talking the last of us is going to go through episodically each of the last of us story titles and we'll sort of roll some things together here uh right at this very second um and that way we can kind of get through some stuff and hopefully catch up real quick so that we can be on time and do week by week episodes um the show itself is the last of us it's based off of the video game from naughty dog uh if you haven't played the game just know that there might be a little bit of spoiler material going on so if you aren't interested in hearing that, this might not be the podcast for you until after you have kind of seen a little bit more of the show or decided that you want to play, whatever. However you decide to do it, there probably are going to be some spoilers. Um, one quick also sort of housekeeping piece of business. I do want to make sure that everybody knows that so far from where we are right now, we're just a bit behind in terms of the episode count. We have a new episode coming up very soon. As soon as we're all caught up, then we'll get onto a regular schedule. Okay, so let's first talk real quick about what is happening. There's an apocalypse. It's kind of different than what we're used to. And I'm really excited about how this whole thing transpires. This is one of those games that has a really loyal fan base for really good reasons. And I think one of them is the way that they introduce the apocalypse and what they are sort of trying to say about what might happen. Um, it's a really neat idea. Um, and actually, you know what? I think I'm going to introduce my guests and bring you guys in so that we can talk real quick about how we feel about some things. And then we'll get into the history of the game itself. So without further ado, first, I'm going to introduce Josh. Josh, how are you tonight? I am uh, amazing, as, awesome. as per usual. Are you excited about talking about The Last of Us? Absolutely. It's uh, just off the top of my head. I'll just say it's one of the best. Uh, new shows we've had in a, in quite a while. And big question, have you played the game or not? I have played both games. Okay. So Josh Okay. So Josh has uh the knowledge of a game player to bring to the table. Um I'll ask you another question afterwards. Uh let me get <laughs> over to Kinte. Kinte, how are you tonight? And give us your take. Are you uh, a game player, or are you just watching the episodes uh, and along for the ride? Um, I'm watching the episodes and along for the ride, but what I'll do is I will watch the progression of the game uh, up until it's caught up. So I have watched what happened in the game just to see how it differs or compares to the uh, TV show. So Kinte is a very well-informed viewer of The Last of Us, and 
that's pretty awesome, actually. I know a lot of people who are in your position, Kinte, who are basically checking up to see whether or not the show is sort of running along the same lines as the game. Um, and I find that really fascinating. This is the first time I've ever had a, a, or seen a group of fans who are so invested in the story that they actually go back and like check the wikis and look to see, you know, is did somebody play this? Is there a Twitch for it? It's kind of neat. I really love that interactivity. It's great. Um, and Tori, Tori, how are you tonight? And tell us the same thing. Have you played the games or are you just along for the ride? Tori's on mute. Tori's on mute. I am an uninformed viewer. I, uninformed. Okay. I, I, I When I was watching it, uh, just life got in the way, and I didn't pay that much attention whenever I should have been. So I missed a lot of parts. But I got the gist of it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm with the plot and everything. You know, I can talk about it. I just don't know where it's going <laughs> and I never play the video game. Well, probably none of us really know exactly where this is going, but I'm going to give you a little bit of info about episode one, episode two, and uh, sort of some direction that I know that the show is going in. We do know that the series is taking place over the course of the first game. That is going to be all of season one. So if you thought that season one was going to be protect protracted, I'm sorry, into two different seasons, no, it's not. It absolutely is going to be just this one season and then it's been renewed so we're all assuming that season two will cover the next game um i i'm not really sure how to feel about that they are moving really fast but wow they've got a lot of ground to cover between now and the end of the series and i feel like i wish they would have slowed down a little bit i don't know how did you guys feel about that or how do you feel about that do you think that the episode one episode two and i know we're going to get into some three stuff in a little bit but do you feel like we're moving at a fast pace or at a slow pace or what are you guys feeling about that no i think the pace is, i think the pace is great uh i really enjoyed what i've seen so far and um i think they're doing an excellent job uh you know conveying it Since what about I you josh Oh, sorry. Well, it, it <clears throat> from coming from someone that's played the game since it does seem kind of quick. Yeah. But only because you're taking out all of the looting aspects, the crafting aspects, and the uh, incidental fights that right. don't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. So you're just moving from basically plot point to plot point, and you know, translating game to uh, series, it's. It, you, you really get to understand how much of that's just kind of in there for gameplay purposes rather yeah. than the storytelling. So we're, you know, we're getting the best of the storytelling. You know what it is, is Josh just wants to see that scene where, uh, where uh, Bill and um, Joel push the car, uh, truck while um, Ellie's driving. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some kind of cool stuff that definitely didn't get covered, but you know, scene by scene, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I, I mean, I think that they're doing a good job. Um, I just wish that it would take longer. And I think part of that is just because I just love this story so much that, you know, even if they wanted to add new pieces of material, I would still be okay with that. I still feel like, hey, if you want to invent some things that happen over here or over here, yeah, okay. 
And uh, it's just my love affair with the story, but okay. Um, okay, so I, I want to talk first about just, and we're going to try to make some of this stuff really brief, but I want to talk first about what is a cordycep. And so there's a difference between cordyceps in the game and cordyceps in uh, on the show. And I just want to talk real briefly about that because it does kind of matter. Um, and there's an idea here that I think... Um, some people were not too excited about they were upset because they thought it was going to change the core monsters um so give me some actually josh why don't you can you tell me what you think the main differences are between the cordyceps that are in the game and then the cordyceps that are in the show the main differences well uh, okay I mean, the lore that's behind it, right, is there's no spores in the show. It is, this is the whole reason that we have the introduction uh, with the characters that are talking on the talk show. John Hanna, big shout out to John Hanna. Um, and they talk about the fungal sort of uh, implication of everything, but they don't talk about the spores. And that's primarily how... Uh, the everything is spread in the game right mm -hmm. in fact we airborne. even have yeah. yeah everything is airborne and here that's not really what's going on in fact i mean the whole backstory with the with the flower with the idea that it was uh an outbreak um that happened along a slightly different line i don't feel like it actually changed the meaning of the story but I, that's what i wanted to kind of get from you Okay, well, uh, just taking away the, the spore aspect, uh, again, I th think it makes it... I think it's a smoother transition for television to not have to spend several minutes with your stars in masks, you know, uh, walking through uh, dank and dark uh, areas of the, the world uh, just to have them... Just, just to build that uh, sort of sense of urgency even though you know i guess technically ellie doesn't need the mask so uh, you, you get to see one person's face and i think we've already uh had enough of a show where uh, a certain someone keeps his face covered the whole time um <laughs> don't need more of that he's a handsome man anyway how pissed would he be if like this is the second straight show where he has to cover his face the whole time Develop a complex. Pedro. Nobody wants to see my face. Uh, and and that's such a lie because of course everybody wants to see his face. Okay, but we'll save that for another conversation. Let's quickly jump into. Um, so basically, the cordyceps. This is this is a, a big deal. Okay, because th there are a number of different types of cordyceps um, that we see in the game. And so far, you know, I don't know. I'm not ignoring the comments. Um, I just it's hard for me to focus on them and uh, try to get through this material really fast. So I'll try to address them as we kind of go, if I can. But I just want you to know you're being heard. Um, one of the biggest, I think, uh, differences here is that from the beginning, we get the idea that uh, that the cordyceps themselves, because there are so many different types in the game, fans were a little bit nervous that they weren't going to do justice to them. Um, and I'm not sure that that's actually true. I think that there's still, we haven't seen a lot of the different types, um, but I have heard that 
there are and that they have kind of made some adjustments as to what they do or how it works but i i i feel like that fear might be slightly unfounded um so i just wanted to address that real quick because the cordyceps themselves are such a major point um of contention with fans that it, it felt like it needed a little bit of something um let's just really quick run through the uh joel and sarah and tommy beginning um i just want to touch on why this is obviously so important and i'd love to get your take kinte on how you felt that relationship was presented do you feel like it was I mean, obviously, we understand that Joel loved Sarah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But w do you think that they did a really a, a good enough of a job expressing why it is that this relationship clearly is setting up the relationship between Joel and Ellie? How do you feel that they did with that beginning part of the uh, of episode one? Well, I, I have to say this um, as someone who didn't know about the game. I, I went in cold, so I didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. Um, I, first of all, they make you fall in love with his daughter, right? Because she is so sweet. She and is. The actress that plays her does a fantastic job. And you totally see her as someone that's going to be on this show going forward. And they made the, the beginning part mostly about her. So and, and it, it is a beautiful job because it really gets you invested in her and her safety. So they do kind of a Game of Thrones thing, you know, where, um, and you know, where you don't think that uh, Ned Stark is going to get beheaded, and then you're like, because you didn't read the book right yet, and you're like, <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I know, I just spoiled, um, dang it, I just spoiled uh, uh, Game of Thrones, sorry, but you're <laughs> like, but you're sitting there like, oh yeah, she's going to be fine, she, they're not going to kill a kid, and then wow the girl dies and you're like oh my god so i think they did a great job of establishing not only joel and her relationship and i loved how they watched and what was it a ninja movie and um i just right. love the closeness and then i think they did a good job of establishing tommy too to a certain degree and um it is so when i went back and watched it in the video game it is so almost beat beat by beat similar um and yeah. the part that they added to it needed it you know and i i thought it was just excellent i thought it, I, I thought he did a fantastic job it pulls you right in and you you hurt for the the daughter and i'll be honest with you when it went to black i wasn't quite sure she was dead i thought oh. maybe yeah i mean at first i i was kind of like are they going to come back and say that she didn't die and then the time jump and then when i maybe i was hoping that she wasn't dead and then when she and then when you realize, oh, no, 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 she's gone. Like, oh, wow. And then, you know, I thought they did a great job of setting you up with, for the relationship she has, he has now with um, Ellie. I, um, I'm going to just throw something out there with this. And that is that in the first episode, what you said, I think, was right on, right? Beat by beat, the first episode really tried to mimic the opening scenes of the game. Um, and that, I think, was not just awesome, but it was necessary to set the tone of the game because as we go on, I mean the show, because as we go on, 
it does start to veer a little bit further away and we need that sort of grounded in reality aspect of hey this is where we came from um so much so that as i was watching the first episode one of the things that i noticed was even the voices that sort of felt disembodied and seemed to come off camera so to speak um that they do in the game where you're like you hear things coming you know into the game itself but like from a, a place clearly that isn't right next to you because the sound is a little bit off it sounds distant it sounds a little bit tinny they even recreated that in the show and that was amazing to me it just it really felt immersive um so once we have joel lose sarah and that is absolutely traumatic we realize that the world uh taking a time jump has clearly changed in pretty terrible ways and moving in a direction forward uh joel has met tess there is this organization called fedra and there is another organization called the fireflies but let's just pause very briefly and talk about um well let's talk about first what is fedra um I'm going to go back to Josh on this and ask Josh to give us sort of a, what do you understand FEDRA is and how is that important? Uh, well, FEDRA is, it's essentially the government and how they're taking care of uh, the people in a way, trying to keep everybody quarantined and quote unquote, safe uh, it all really comes down to keep everybody under lock and key uh, under the guise of you know safety which is why uh, there is a group to counter them uh, in the first place you know uh, it, it it really is an interesting conversation about you know how how much are you willing to kind of give up in the name of safety as far as, you know, freedoms and, and liberties. That's what is, is been happening. And it, it's difficult to kind of contain everything to just what we've seen, uh, what we've seen in the first episode so far, or, or, um, you know, early goings on in the game, what we, what we really know at this point in the first episode, uh, right after the time jump, is that they're there to keep everybody sort of in line and more or less kind of fed like like it's some sort of big old summer camp where everybody's just miserable, you know, like summer camp. Um, but yeah, that's that's them. That's the government uh, in action. So uh, FEDRA stands for the Federal Disaster Response Agency. And the Federal Disaster Response Agency works pretty closely with what they still have as the basic CDC and uh, kind of like a morphed Department of Homeland uh, Security. It is absolutely authoritarian. Um, there is a clear regime set up to kind of control people and keep them within certain quarantine zones. And this is done, they say, basically to keep infection from spreading. And we see a pretty early example of that with a child that comes in and you know again this is gonna 
dovetail into what happens with Ellie. But we see a child comes in that has been bit and they kill the child, uh, you know, saying something along the lines of, um, you know, you're going to have lots of toys to play with. Everything's going to be great. And no, it clearly is not great. Um, they take no chances, zero chances, like if it even appears that you have been bit or if it appears that you have even been compromised, uh, you're not going to survive. They don't allow you to live because that's how incredibly infective everything is. It is so fast the way that this stuff moves that they just take zero chances. And so when we finally meet Ellie, we realize that, oh, okay, this is something special because Ellie has a scar from being bit. But before we get there, uh, I wanted to ask Kinte, Kinte, uh, what did you think of the fireflies in episode one? How did you feel about, you know, kind of having this clear rebel kind of people out there and what did you think initially their purpose was um i figured they were uh, um you know some sort of militant uh, organization trying to figure out what you know the, trying to navigate through the terrain of the new world um they were what i thought they were um and and you know it's still unclear exactly everything about them because we only know, seen a little of them so it's kind of hard to say, even, uh, you know, going fast forward into episode past episode four, um, it's still, there's still, you know, um, there's still kind of, you don't know exactly everything about them, but um, I, you know, I like the integration of them and I like that they have a purpose, you know, that, that it's not just, you know, trying to exist, that they're actually trying to do something to uh, solve the problem. Yeah, I um, I mean, obviously, if you've played the game, there's a lot about the Fireflies that you know, um, and some things, you know, may not be the best, but I think in episode one, they try to portray the Fireflies as being the sort of like freedom fighters, the resistance, the, the people that are trying to do something that fight against Fedra because Fedra is not doing the right things, according to them. Um, but where the Fireflies really come into play is this idea of getting Ellie out of the city and getting her out to another Firefly's base. And that's where we have Joel and Tess, who have been, according to everything that has been happening so far in episode one, living inside of Boston, making deals, uh, trying to do some things. Now, importantly, in episode one, Joel has lost touch with Tommy, and Tommy has gone far out to Wyoming uh, because he's lost touch with him and because he is, well, I, I mean, I'll say that he's worried about him because obviously that clearly is what's going on. Um, he's trying to gather together the resources to get a battery for a truck. Um, this is proving to be very difficult. And eventually this is what causes Joel and Tess to meet up with, uh, well, it's what causes Joel and Tess to meet up with the fireflies. Okay. So let's, pick up from there and we meet Ellie. Um, I, I do want to touch on Joel and Tess, but I think maybe we'll do that in the next episode and really kind of concentrate on what their relationship is because we might have a little bit more time there. Um, but let's get to Ellie. And what was your initial reaction, Tori, to meeting Ellie? What did you think about her? 
I, you know, I think the graphics in this game are just so awesome. So every time I see like a scene of her or Joel or, you know, anybody, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondered, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so realistic, right? And then I like Ellie. I, I kind of thought she was going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought she was going to be a goner, but she wasn't, so. It it does kind of seem like all the kids in The Last of Us uh, don't fare very well. Um, yeah. They, have, uh, they have a tough time. They have a very tough time. Uh, you thought they were going to kill another kid? What kind of show you think this is, Tori? <laughs> <laughs> hey. hey. Game of Thrones for kids. Yes. Um, yes <laughs> Josh, exactly. what did you think of Ellie? No, the character or the portrayal? Uh, the portrayal, the episode one portrayal of Ellie. Oh, I thought it was absolutely spot on. Right? She's got a mouth on her, doesn't she? Yep. <laughs> and uh, kids and it's not far off from the way kids actually act today. Uh, it, it, it's absolutely true. And Kinte, what did you think about Ellie when you first met her? Um, I'll be honest with you. She's grown on me. I didn't like her at first. I don't like smart ass kids. <laughs> You know, I, I always want to sm uh, smack their mouths when they uh, smart aleck kids. So, uh, I, yeah, um, I didn't. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't care for her at first. And um, she was kind of annoying to me. And then, but then as it went on, you know, she grows on you like a fungus. <laughs> so, so, so I think that this is very intentional, right? <laughs> um, we're not really supposed to like quote unquote uh most of the characters joel isn't even very likable at this point um he's very hardened very jaded very he's just clearly he's just like been lost to this idea that if violence have to, has to beget more violence to get to your goal then it's okay like he has kind of lost a little bit of his humanity and i don't feel like we're supposed to really like ellie in the beginning and that's for a purpose. Um, and I think that this unfolds as we go episodically through the relationship of who Joel is and who Ellie are, and then who the pair of them are together. But let's not forget Tess. Um, you know, for as the short time that Tess is available to us on the screen, this is an amazing portrayal of who she is. Uh, it, to me, it opened up a brand new world of sort of depth. Uh, I really, really liked it. And the, you know, we're going to get into sort of what happens inside of episode two in a second, but this whole process of dealing with what happens with Tess meant so much more to me uh, because of who she was. So I'm going to um, try to close this particular part out by saying, um, I think that in some ways, this particular, the episode one and then into episode two, we sort of have a, a, a full picture, as full as we can get, of where Joel is from, where Tess is from, what they're doing, what their core mission is, which is to get the battery so that he can go out west and get to Tommy. And um, we're introduced to the Cordyceps in episode two. Well, technically at the end of episode one with the clicker on the roof, but we're introduced to them 
with a little bit of lore in episode two, and I wanted to get, first of all, I want to get Kinte's opinion about what you thought of them when you first saw them and what you, so, you know, we see them in episode one because obviously that's when the apocalypse happens, but, you know, as things have gone forward, we get to see them outside the walls of Boston in episode two and up close and personal in that jaunt through the museum. And before I forget to say this, um, it is so clear to me that HBO has invested so much money into this series to make it as rich and grand as it is. And it shows in the little things and the museum and that flooded area are prime examples. The, the amount of detail and effort that went into recreate those to make them feel like they came directly from the game and then to spend less than 10 minutes in them is enormous when it, you know, when it comes to resources for building these, it's just absolutely fabulous. Um, and so I need to give them a huge shout out because that is one of the things that I am the most impressed with. Um, I'll get to some things that I'm not so happy with in a bit, but let's talk real quick about the cordyceps and what you thought of them. Kinte, what did you think? I'm, in episode I want to make a quick uh, thing about Joel because you were saying about him not being likable. Yeah. And um, I know this is later on in a future episode, but how can you not like a guy who drink, who eats 20-year-old uh, um, ravioli? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he was a good guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't eat uh, ravioli that was made yesterday, but you know, I digress. But well, anyway, you're not living in the you're not living in the cordyceps apoc right. apocalypse. So yeah. Right. I feel like okay, Josh so. would eat it, but um, I think he would eat it now. But anyway, um, no. Uh, okay. So one one disadvantage that this show has, but it's done a great job of surpassing it, is I'll give you a great example. There was a show called ER and it was like a hospital show and it ran for, I think 10, 11 years. I can't remember. Yeah. And then other shows came up afterwards or like near the end, like um, uh, you had uh, the one on ABC, um, uh, Grey's Anatomy. And then you had uh, house and some other shows. And if you've watched ER for all that time, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it all together. Uh, you watched every single doctor situation you could watch, right? And so I didn't watch those other shows, even though other people did watch those other shows, because I felt like I've seen every doctor show. Why would I need to watch another one, right? Well, and this show has a disadvantage in that we just watched um, Walking Dead for, what, 10 years or whatever, how long? And we've mm -hmm. seen every zombie configuration you could see, right, on that show, right? So this show has done a great job because one thing I felt like going into it is, okay, here we go with the zombies, because they're not thrilling characters, right? But right. they've done such a great job of when you see them on the show, it's impactful. So they they haven't overdone it, right? And when when they are on the show, like they make an impact. And I've, you know, not playing the game, to me, I think that first of all, they're ugly, they're creepy looking, and they do a great job the way and they move that gives you an intensity that in other stuff that you don't really have in a lot of other programs. So I think they've done a great job. And the production design on this show is fantastic. 
Right. Oh man. I mean, you could see it on the screen. I mean, it, it's beautiful and they've done such a great job. So I think that it, they've done a great job and they, and honestly, I don't need a whole lot of them because like I said, I've just watched the walking dead for 20 years. I, I don't need a whole lot of zombie action. I, I want a great story. And then the zombies, you know, be more impactful. That's me. But you know, there's probably people out there. I want a more zombie action, you know, this the, the, this is this is I think one of the uh, key aspects of differences between The Last of Us and The Walking Dead, and we can have that discussion another time when we've got more sort of time for the episodes. But I will say that one of the things that I think that they do really well in the first and the second episode, and even into uh, the third and fourth episode, is that they continue the sense of dread, the the horror thematic content the overall tone of everything is scary without needing to hit us over the head with it um and in the in the game it obviously the stakes feel a little bit higher because you can die in the game so you're you know trying to protect all of your assets and you don't want to die um but there is a portion i think of the the game that also is sort of very similar to the series in that we don't have monsters where they don't make sense like we don't just have free kind of roaming monsters in in a way that doesn't make sense um and so the dread kind of builds instead mm -hmm. of is always present you mean like in, you don't have no whale walkers <laughs> they're yeah oh my god yeah. okay well we will definitely be having that conversation because i would love to do a whole podcast on the walking dead versus the last of us so we'll definitely do that um okay so uh, uh josh let me get your opinion on the cordyceps too because if you uh, not if you because you've played the game i really would like to know how you feel about it Wait, one one thing real quick yeah, I think we only should do the first season of both. That'd be the fairest thing to do. Yeah, okay. We'll compare the first season of The Walking Dead and The Last of Us. That would make sense. All right. So, Josh, give us your take on the cordyceps. Well, I think uh, Kente pretty much nailed everything. The only thing that I can really say differently, uh, and not even differently, but maybe just in addition to, uh, as far as uh, comparing it to the games, in in the series, from what we've seen so far, it's been very dramatic. It's been, uh, as can say, put very impactful and um, it, pretty intense. Just from the the couple types that we've seen on screen so far, but knowing what's coming, uh, I can only imagine the bricks people are going to be dropping their pants when they see what's to come. Oh my God. No kidding. Uh, it's, it's going to be, Oh, it's going to be something else. In, in fact, you know, not to give any, you know, cause I don't know when people will listen to this, but if you're listening to this in real time, the episode that's coming up on Friday, which will be episode five, uh, is apparently if you've seen the trailer, it's going to be big. And the, the cordyceps type that we are about to see is honestly, to me, one of the most scary from the game. It just absolutely is frightening beyond. Oh, I'm, I'm not watching that episode. Then I don't want to be scared. I mean, just just to put it simply, video games have boss fights. Right. This is a show based on a video game. Right. Yep. Boss battles. Yeah. That, that's yeah, all so I'm going to say. 
things and things definitely ramp up because you know your skill level in the game does matter in terms of what you can fight as you kind of continue to go along so as we move along in the series yeah things definitely feel like they are progressively going to ramp up if i, I can't sleep because of the fr friday's episode uh <laughs> josh and jen has to uh pitch in and get me a, a nightlight Okay, we, we promise we will. And we promise it won't be in the shape of a cordyceps either. We'll just get you a nice, we'll get you a nice mushroom light so that you can see. Um, okay, I want to talk real quick about uh, Joel and Tess and how Tess dies. Um, <gasps> yeah, it's That's not a spoiler. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're going all the way through episode one and two. So if you don't know, you know, yeah, I already gave you a warning. Um, I, I definitely want to talk about uh, the sacrifice that Tess makes for Joel and her ask of Joel and why I feel like that is not just the, you know, sort of pivot point in the game to get Joel to do what he needs to do, but also kind of gives us a preview of some things to come. Um, and I'm, I guess I'm going to ask Kinte first. Kinte, what did you feel about the way that Tess died um, and her final sort of ask of Joel? Which, by the way, was man. That, once again, another another great moment where I'm thinking she's part of the show. I'm thinking she's a uh, you know a main part of the show, and then when she dies, I'm like, oh shit! Like who you know? Oh, right. it's about it's about him and the girl. Like I didn't know it was about him and a girl. So uh, uh, I was uh, I thought it was great, um, and I thought that uh, the ask you know. Uh, was awesome, and you know she was pretty. Uh, she was pretty bossy that chick, because uh, I remember when she was being interrogated, she was like, "He's gonna do what I tell him to do." I was like, <laughs> "I was like, wow, okay, Dominique Crick." Uh, but um, yeah, no, I thought I thought you know, great character. I and I um, it it really surprised me that when she died, I. I don't know. Was it surprising in the game when when she died for you guys? I uh, well, I I can say that I feel like it was a pivotal moment. Um, in that, yeah. <sighs> What's a good way to say this? So, The Last of Us is is all built from core to every point outward on understanding and processing grief morality and choices and for this for Tess to do what she did is kind of like foreshadowing to a whole lot of the rest of the game um you have a choice you have a morality you have sort of a sense of what your duty and purpose is um and honestly i Tess knew things that I feel like weren't really conveyed to Joel, but I feel like Tess understood them. Like, this is the big moment for us to make things better. And she alludes to that in the, in the, in the uh, during the episode two series, when she says, you know, look, here's a chance for us to make things right. Um, we don't know what it was that at this point in the series that, sort of made her think that but it's obviously really big um and redemption i think is you know this is one of those things where 
we don't always understand when we're seeing redemption in the moment. And yet here we get a peek at, hey, you know, here's your chance at redemption and it's kind of straightforward. So I'm going to ask Josh the same question. Josh, what did you think of the test scene where Tess basically gives up her own life to save them? It... <clears throat> and it's a little well, bit it... different than in the game. What yeah, in, in, in the game, uh, she's not killed by the infected. Uh, right. She's killed by Fedra. Right. And they finally catch their, you know, uh, big, um, big baddie, I guess. Uh, because if if anything, playing these games, you get a a good look at how. Uh, good guys and bad guys are basically just uh, comes down to what side you're on, and and in the end, <laughs> there there are no good guys and there are no bad guys. They're just people that want to do what they have to do to survive. And in the series, she thinks that Ellie is the key to not necessarily erasing all of the horrible things that uh, that she and Joel have done to survive. Um, but at the very least, make it seem like it meant something. Right. And it's one of those cases where, yeah, she knew what her fate was already. And if she could use her, her last breath, uh, breath, her last breath to ultimately save humanity, then then it, it would all be worth it. Like like Kente said, going back to the interrogation scene, uh Tess is is an, an amazing badass woman. Right. She she's making her captors apologize uh for beating her up. And that says so much about who she is uh as a person and how strong she is, uh, how strong her will is. And, and her reputation. So for her to um, make that sacrifice just for a chance at making things better, uh, says a lot about her character. And uh, it, again, it's, it's goes to show that they're not pulling any punches for the series. They are going to hit you hard in the fields. They're going to make you care about somebody and then they're going to take them away. Yep. Yep. This, and you know, they do this, I think really effectively uh, throughout the game too, where you don't know who to trust. I mean, you're on an an adventure is not the right word. You are on (laughs) this journey with Joel and Ellie, but you have zero idea who you meet along the way that either has uh, the same sort of morality bent that you do or the same, um, or, or even if the choices that you've made so far are going to change some people throughout the game. Now, uh, in the series, uh, clearly the way that they sort of put this all together is with Tess giving up her life to save Joel and Te- uh, Joel and Ellie so that they can get away, right? And they do it with the uh, amount of flammable fluid. And if you look really closely, uh, the lighter that Tess uses is apparently a prop lighter from uh, Uncharted. So big shout out to Neil Druckmann, who um, 
is my hero in all of this because he also did Uncharted. So he did The Last of Us and he did Uncharted. Um, and can I, and, can and I, and Joel kind of Joel looks like he's related to uh, Drake. Yeah, he does kind of look like he's related to Nathan Drake, doesn't he? Yeah. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Josh? I, I, I do just kind of want to put this out there that, uh, you know, rest in peace, Andy Wershing, the, the actress that played Tess in the game. Yeah. Um, recently passed away a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, she was in 24, yeah. Did a great job. How did she yeah. pass away? How did she pass away? I'm not mistaken, it was cancer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's was, so sad. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah it was Bless a long battle. Oh. Um, so, uh, you know, the as, as we move sort of like forward into the, okay, Joel has now lost Tess, and, and I want to talk real briefly about that scene that happens outside of the museum when uh the when the the big explosion happens right and it it to me this is sort of pivotal because again this sort of sets us up on the stage where i think there's so much foreshadowing in all of this joel sees it and obviously he's not just heartbroken but you know clearly there's a grief there but at the same time Ellie is overwhelmed by what is happening. And Joel is like, okay, experience the grief real quick, move on, survive. Ellie is not there yet. She's just not there yet. But you, I think you get a really clear picture that Joel has lost so much that even the loss of Tess doesn't slow him down for even a single second because his secondary drive of survival or maybe it's his primary drive of survival kicks in and he continues on without really even missing a beat in fact we don't even really talk about Tess until uh episode three toward the end uh again with the with any real even a little bit of emotion so i i actually really liked that i thought that that was a really you know, good way of showing how incredibly jaded Joel is in terms of hardened he is from grief and from everything that he has already survived. Um, I I also want to say that, you know, as we move forward, I know that this has been really super condensed and I am so sorry that we don't have a ton more time to go more in depth with this, but in our next episodes we are going to slow everything down and really kind of give a, a wider birth to everything so that we can really get into it there were things about the interrogation like josh said that i really wanted to talk about i really wanted to talk about um the radio which will actually i guess talk about when we can talk season or i'm um, sorry episode three and to close this out, though, I want to really discuss why grief and loss are so important here. So in episode one and episode two, we sort of get a sneak peek at what grief and loss matter to all of our uh, our characters. And right now we're down to Ellie and Joel. They've both lost a lot. They both have very little to even begin moving forward with. 
And this sort of sets up, I think, the again, the rest of the series, because this is what they have to work on for their foundation. So I wanted to get, I'll start with Tori. Tori, what is your, um, how did you feel about how much Joel and Ellie have already lost and what you think that might mean going forward? Okay, so grief is so overwhelming like so overwhelming when when you lose somebody and you go through the five stages it's it's a it consumes you and um i think they did a good job of portraying that in in the characters joel is very jaded i think that's a great word for him because he think you know he gives things a chance but he still gets hurt whenever I I want to say one thing about the production thing. Like I really thought like I really thought that I was in the video game. Like I've watched the video game. I've never played it, you know? And I think that they took all the different um, avenues that people could take in the game and really condensed them in the show. And 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 they did that with Ellie and they did that with Joel, because there was, you know, how do you, uh, how do you portray such grief as somebody that, we've never been in this situation before, right? So, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I would handle it. I'd probably freak out. <laughs> so, that's just me. So I'm going to ask Kinte and Josh to give me their opinions also about what they think in, in that, in that realm. Um, and I also just want to shout out real quick to Stephanie, Stephanie, uh, if you don't like zombie movies or shows, um, yeah, you should definitely stick around for the last of us because it's really not like a typical zombie show. So yeah, come along for the ride with us. Uh, Kinte, what did you think about just that last sort of scene with, you know, okay, Tess has given up her life and then Joel and Ellie have to move on. Um, the oh, that overall sense of grief and loss as it sort of applies to the two of them. I mean, I, I thought it was uh, excellent. I thought it was, uh, it, it really established the characters and and it, you know, it deepens the relationship that we have as an audience with the characters. And um, I thought that that was uh, very important for uh, to, to do that, especially early on in a series. So I thought they did an excellent job with that. Yeah, me too. Me too. What about you, Josh? Well, seeing that uh, within the first couple of episodes, Joel just keeps losing the, the people that are closest to him in the world. And, and he doesn't keep that list very uh, filled. You know? It's like every time uh, he puts a name on it, it's it's gone. So it's it's good to see that they're able to show his reluctance to not just accept Ellie as sort of a, a job because it's not his mission. He doesn't, it, it's not that he doesn't care. He just doesn't, you know, that's not why he's going. He wants to find his brother, but for Tess, He's, he's taking Ellie to where she needs to go because Tess believes that this is the answer, that this is the key. And 
because their Tess is no longer there, it sort of builds another wall for Joel. And as as um, we see, you know, moving forward, yeah, there's there's going to be uh, some some crumbling to that wall as he and Ella get closer, as people tend to do in crisis situations. I, I seem to to recall this this little film called Speed. Maybe maybe you've heard of it. Uh, yes. Yeah. People pop quiz. It. Pop, pop quiz asshole. Pop, no, is it pop quiz hot shot? Pop quiz no. hot shot. No, I said asshole. I changed. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh my God. And Stephanie's right. Joel is you know he's afraid to be vulnerable because again, everybody he's vulnerable to winds up dead. It's, well, it, you know, it, I can... Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when you only allow so many people into that, you know, you're, yes, I'm going to care about you. And when you are only willing to care about a very small circle of people, then anyone that is in that circle that disappears, dies, or, you know, suffers some kind of demise it's going to hit you even harder than it does. It, it's it's just, it, it's, there is so much pent up in all of this. Um, and it makes Joel's search for Tommy uh, also, I think, on a different level. Like, you know, it's not, yes, he is absolutely fulfilling Tessa's last wish, right? Which is a very powerful statement in and of itself. It was her dying wish, get Ellie where she needs to go. But the yeah. The tandem problem here is that Joel needs to get to his brother and that matters too. So, and it definitely matters in the game, but in the, in the series, you can see that the, the two elements here that are running along parallel lines will definitely convene at some point, but, or converge. But what matters here is that Joel's motivation is primarily being driven um, by both his grief for Tess and his promise to her and his want to get out to his brother. So it just so happens that the two kind of work. And when he says that Ellie, you know, okay, he's willing to do this by the end of episode two, uh, it really does kind of feel to me at least that, that, that yes, he, this is his intent, but also, we have this other sort of, yeah, okay, fine. I'll get you where you need to go because I did care about Tess so much uh, because I did make her that promise. Um, uh, yeah, as we kind of close out this episode. Yeah, here, I think this is a good place to end because uh, yeah, we don't want to lose Joel. That. I mean, Joel, we don't want to lose no, Josh. No, we don't want to lose Josh. Yeah. So how, about we just, uh, let's just, how about we just, and then we could just roll it over for the next one because um, uh, we only have Josh for so, you know, very yeah, short. I yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Um, I, I want to thank you all for joining us. That's what I was about to say. I want to thank you all for joining us for this very special premiere episode of the La Talking the Last of Us. Um, I hope you will join us for our next episode when we are going to really dive into episode three of The Last of Us, which deals with Frank and Bill and the amazing story that we got out of that uh, that was not part of the game, uh, but let me tell you, it was pretty phenomenal. So if you can join us for that, please do. I'm Jen. In a few, min in a few minutes, by the way, uh, we're going to close this out and then we're going to start another one. So anyone that's listening can uh, listen. Right. I'm Jen. I'm joined by Tori, Kinte, and Josh. And uh, do, you, do you guys want to tell everybody how to find you on social um, media real quick? 
Yeah, let's do it real quick. Okay, go ahead. Go, Kente. Uh, Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram. All right, Josh. Go to wadcomedia.com for all, all the appropriate links and uh, where to find out all about the other awesome podcasts that I do, especially with uh, our wonderful host, Jen. <laughs> Lots of fun there. Uh, and Tori, how can we find you on social media? Oh, yeah. my uh, You can find me on Facebook, Tori Rush. It's, I'm the first one that pops up every time. Um, and then uh, you can also find me on my own show, but... Uh, that's in hiatus, so I can't really, yeah, I can't really talk about it. Um, and I, uh, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Rush Story. Awesome. Rush Story. All right, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see you all next time for the next episode of Talking the Last of Us. Thank you so much for joining us.